This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Temporary Admission, the podcast where we speak to some of the art industry's most influential people to find out who they are, what they're up to, and what's next. Today, we're going to be taking a slightly different approach and speaking to an old friend of mine, Manon Stayart. Now, Manon is an emerging artist based here in London, and we've known each other since primary school, actually, so a long time. But as is customary on this podcast, because not everyone knows who it is we're already speaking to, why would you? Um, Manon, I think a good place for us to start would be if you could introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit more about you and what it is you're currently working on. Yeah, sure. So as you said, we've known each other for a really long time. I am French born and um, I moved to England in back in 2004. Uh, and then, you know, studied here. I went to Central St. Martins for about four years doing a foundation and undergrad in fine art. Originally wanted to start in fashion actually and didn't get in which was a very pleasant surprise in the end because I went into fine art and then I did a master's at Chelsea College of Arts for about a year and then I've been a full practicing artist ever since so I haven't been doing it for very very long I think end of 2019 is when I finished education so I've been in my studio plodding along since then really and you know I've been working internationally as well as in England with exhibitions I've done collaborations with other artists in exhibitions and works currently I've just come back from Greece from a solo show in Athens which was amazing to be able to travel to my first European show that I could travel to myself as I've had other shows but due to you know Covid restrictions I couldn't actually be there so I think there's a wonder of you know setting up the show and seeing it live that's just unlike you know the screen aspect of like oh yeah I have a show somewhere but you can't go currently I'm just working on kind of catching up it's you know it's the end of the year projects are coming in for the start of next year so it's more finishing up wrapping up and getting ready to go again next year really I mean I think we're definitely all ready for the Christmas break if Omicron allows um but listening back to that, I hadn't realized that it hadn't actually been that long since you left Chelsea. I don't know why, but in my head, I thought it was years, but obviously not. It's, I mean, probably because I, every time I go on my Instagram, you seem to pop up with new works or new shows or something. But it's felt like a lot longer to me than, than that. It's been very fast. It's been very, very on the go since I left. I think that's what Chelsea, the Masters, really prepared us for because that was only, what, 12 months. In those 12 months, we did about, God, about 10 shows or something like that. So it was, you know, it taught you, you know, like quick pace, full on dealing with like five different things at the same time. So I feel it definitely prepared me for how things are currently going for me. 
it actually seems like you've had a jam-packed year as well, which is good to hear considering, you know, we've had everything with COVID going on and there's been so much uncertainty. Um, But one question I have wanted to ask for a long time, and I know that we've touched on it a little bit uh, previously, but I think it's definitely an area that our listeners will be interested to hear more about, is your opinion on using plastic within your work, because obviously there is such a war on plastic right now, to the point where, you know, even in art logistics, for example, people are not using or or kind of banning the use of plastic in, in most situations, or there's a real request from clients to really minimize the use of plastic, whereas you've actually chosen to use plastic within your work as a conscious decision. I'd love to know a little bit more around kind of why it was you did that and kind of whether you think there is a role for plastic within, you know, your art that you produce in the future. So a lot of people, you know, throughout interviews and podcasts have asked me this question. And funny enough, the only reason that I came to Silicon was because of a past uh, like a mistake you know experimentation and then realizing that the material that I was using before latex just didn't quite work very well you know its longevity was low it it was really affected by the sun it just it wasn't it was great for you know the work to survive for a, a week not you know years so I switched to silicon and I just wanted to create a 3D painting, really. I wanted to use a layer that I could detach and reattach that was separating color physically. And then I think I like playing around with a work with my hands rather than, you know, applying paint. It doesn't satisfy me enough applying paint. So silicon was a material that I got to know through making it myself because buying something ready-made never works for me ever it's never been you know my personality really you know I really like to see things how they're made I'm very curious like that so I think silicon naturally was the alternative to latex it was you know had elasticity it had really really pleasurable texture and aesthetic as well is really strong with this material you know your eyes just immediately grabbed onto it and I I was worried with latex that it would connote too much to fetishism and, you know, the body. Like if you looked at Louise Bourgeois or Eva Hess, you know, those types that I just wanted, you know, brightly coloured, satisfying material. And I think silicon was, you know, the answer to that. I really like the idea as well that, you know, the works you're producing are hopefully going to last for a long time and be in people's collections for generations to come. So actually the fact that you're using plastic might not be you know, as bad as using kind of other materials that might deteriorate just as quickly. But I definitely think when you're also looking at your work, the aesthetic of them just makes you quite happy because it's not necessarily like you're looking at, you know, a usual painting or, you know, a sculpture. It, it actually tricks your mind a little bit. It makes you happy, but it also makes you um, really want to like touch it. It makes you inquisitive. I think naturally it makes you quite inquisitive because it's a material that you don't see all the time. It's a material that is used in a lot of stuff around you without you realizing that it's there. So I think I'm like bringing it to light, bringing an industrial material to more of like a aesthetically pleasing material, you know, for the eye. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for the fact that your works are quite uplifting. And every time I look at them, you know, you're met with such a a ray of color, which I really like. 
Um, I always look out for the ones that are my favourite colours and you know I've got my eye on a piece uh, as we're recording this podcast. But I guess we haven't touched on whether you've had any feedback from, you know, your own collectors or kind of anyone that's been to your studio on your use of silicon. Have they kind of mentioned anything to you? But a lot of people comment on how when they see my works, when the silicon is, you know, sculpted in a way, um, a lot of people actually think that it's um, hard. It's a hard surface, but a lot of people then who come to, you know, my studio for a visit, touch it, and they're just like immediately surprised, which is, you know, such a treat to see when people like a kid you know at Christmas their eyes just like go wide and they're like oh my god I had no idea <laughs> I thought it was gonna be really like rock hard but no it's it's nice and soft and fluid yeah it's definitely so nice to actually be able to kind of interact with the work and when you are a little bit surprised almost that's kind of quite cool in itself um but I guess if people are getting just a little bit lost at this point in terms of picturing what work we're talking about or kind of what your works even look like um, I definitely encourage them to go look at your Instagram channel, so Manon Stay Art Art, and um, also my Instagram, so that's James W Quirk. And we've also recently set up a uh, temporary admission Instagram handle, so that's literally called temporary admission. And we'll be sharing examples of the work on there as well for you to have a look at, and you know you can really kind of see what we're talking around in terms of the silicon being draped over and kind of looking quite fluid and all the different colours. So definitely go have a look on there. But yeah, it's really interesting just to hear around your perception of what you think is like using a material that some people actually are a little bit negative against right now. But I think you're just proving the point that plastic does have its place. It's just using it, you know, in the right way rather than all these single-use plastic items that we just don't need anymore. It's definitely present in my mind of the material because at the start, you know, I didn't think... When I first started the material, I didn't think I'd be making so many pieces out of it, you know, that people would be so drawn to it. So I obviously have a car because it's a necessity for materials because my materials are heavy, but then, you know, I cycle my food. I'm very into, you know, sustainable food, being, you know, veggie more than meat eater so that it's definitely present in my mind and plastics as well I think I don't really chuck away any of the silicon that I make I have off cuts you know like off cuts you would have a fabric and I'm trying I have like three boxes full of um silicon off cuts because I'm wanting to make works from the byproduct you know of the main works themselves so either kind of bring out a sort of line of the off cuts making something sustainable so it's good out of it you know and cheaper so it's more available for other people I'm not yet sure I wanted to get in contact with a few other artists who work with a similar material other materials who are like maybe interior designers to see whether we could collaborate on something um silicon is definitely something that I don't think I'll be sticking with you know forever and it's quite interesting as well as the art world always seems to be very different to the eco-conscious kind of stuff. You have obviously artists that that's what their practice is based on, but it's not really brought to light enough, I think, you know, in our industry, the materials that we use, how we use it, etc. Because art is supposed, you know, supposed to have a long life. It's supposed to go from home to home. It's supposed to be in collections and etc. etc. But yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting question. I am very much thinking of you know what I can do next well you know I'm certainly going to be interested to see what you do next and that's definitely a topic 
that we'll touch on in a little bit. But before I do so, um, I know we've spoken a lot about your choice to actually represent yourself, which is kind of, um, it seems to be becoming more and more popular, I think, for um, artists to do so. And specifically, you know, with the rise of Instagram, etc. But why was it that you felt specifically that, you know, you wanted to represent yourself and maybe not go down the gallery representation route in the first instance? Um, I think it's because I'm quite a person. So I'm quite a, I can be quite impatient with certain things. So which is why, you know, I'm, I use silicon. It's time based in summer. It's like nine hours and I can create the work. You know, it's like, I'm quite impatient in that sense that I think I want to be able to control the decisions themselves. I like talking to, you know, my clients. I, I don't know whether I have the trust in someone yet to be able to convey a really good relationship with the clients because I think my work is somewhat personal that I want to hear how the you know the client or the viewer responds to it and how they want to show it and all these things and I think being represented obviously I think this is down to the specific place or who you're represented by but I think I have the notion of you know there being a wall between artist and buyer and Right now, I am doing quite well by myself. I have done collaborative work with galleries. And as you say, I haven't been in the art world that long yet. So I think most galleries that I'm working with are like, they're wanting more of a part-time or collaboration aspect. And as I said, yeah, I like to be in control of the business side because I, I, you know, I like business itself. I've been around, you know, a business people you know growing up so I think that's something that I quite like and quite enjoy you know realizing that I'm building something myself not relying on other people to do it for for me I like collaborative for sure because that's working together to either put the show on or you know promote all, all these things but I don't think I'm ready yet to release the control over to somebody else uh just yet over my practice yeah, and it's such a big choice. You've got to make sure that you find the right gallery for you that you're going to want to be with for a, a long time, I guess. I think that's it. I think London, I think my work, the reason why I've had so many international shows this year is because my work that is grabbed in London. Like I have had shows in London, but I feel that it's currently more towards the, you know, European market, Asian market, and, you know, like a bit of USA at the moment. And I think London's going more, uh, is going back into a figurative painting. And, you know, (laughs) that's not quite what I do. So I think it's quite important for me right now to explore all those different avenues, work with as many people as I can, and then see where, as you say, where my work might fit in best, as you know, it might not be in the UK just yet. Yeah, and obviously, I guess galleries, working with galleries, should I say, actually, you know, there's definitely pros to doing so. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't exist. And galleries are, you know, fantastic places and they can be really there to support your career as an artist. But like you say, you've also made a fantastic start actually kind of managing it by yourself. And it's a big decision, I I assume. I mean, obviously, I'm not in a position where I have to choose a um, gallery to work with. But, you know... I can imagine there's a lot of trust there that you've got to find someone that you you really feel like you can trust with representing you and kind of building your client base that way. Yeah, because you also got to have a, a quite a bit of trust with the person that you are working with. Because I think if you don't have that trust between artist and gallerist, you know, 
you don't know how your work's going to be conveyed or how it's going to be talked about or even getting paid and on time and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you've got to work with the right people. Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because my experience is definitely that some of the clients that you think are going to pay the quickest definitely don't. Yeah, no, it's um, it's quite interesting because some of my clients, you know, some of the people who have paid, as you say, the quickest, they're the people who are most excited by the work. And not that, you know, it's really complicated, you know, when you get into the money source, but when somebody doesn't pay you for a while, it's it gets stressful when you're, you know, representing yourself because it's like, you know, you, you've got your costs and everything as an artist, you know, you fallback is sometimes minimal depending on you know who you are the people who tend to pay the quickest are the the least expensive works because people are so excited by you know owning a small work it might be their first investment in art ever it might be their first purchase of you know painting or etc etc so it's quite interesting that you said that in terms of who is the quickest (laughs) yeah definitely it seems to be a bit of a recurring theme in the art world I think But changing tax slightly, I know something that I found particularly interesting in my role at Queen's is kind of the role of Instagram as one of our channels to reach our clients. And, you know, obviously in the art world, everything is so aesthetically pleasing and Instagram is obviously naturally one of the best channels for that. But as an emerging artist, how have you found using Instagram as kind of building a business? You've obviously decided to not go down the gallery representation route just yet. So has Instagram been kind of a bit of an integral part for for you kind of building your client base in the first instance or have you been kind of using something else? I mean, we, the thing is, we live, you know, in a society that is so attached to our phones. Like, for God's sake, we, we just made, we just created a form of artwork where you, you, you have to look at your screen. So like, you know, NFTs. I think Instagram is, it's going to be difficult when it you know crashes for more than a week for me um I'm very reliant on it and I think you know loads of people who are big companies and professionals they start the conversation quite casually over Instagram and then you know we go over to email when we're talking you know bigger commissions bigger you know bigger works like you know bigger money and stuff like that um but Instagram is, you know, how conversation starts. You have, I've built a little community in terms of some artist friends that I've never met in real life, but I talk to them regularly about, you know, the works, how they're doing, how their shows, blah, blah, blah. But recently I've just been, you know, I've been in the studio quite busy and I've been trying to be a little bit more present with friends due to, you know, COVID that I'm, I'm on my phone less and I can see the effects that Instagram has. And it's, it's quite difficult to manage it because if you're not posting constantly, you're not, my algorithm, you know, is completely beating me at the moment, but it doesn't bother me too much at the moment because I think it's the idea of maybe the years coming to an end or I've had some great shows. I think I'm kind of revisiting, you know, what I've achieved this year and who I've worked with and, you know, the clients that I'm working with at the moment. I'm not looking to constantly post. It is very important platform. And as you say, like some artists have like moved over to like different ones, you know, there's different social media platforms like TikTok and loads of people was like, oh man, you should get TikTok. You know, your works are, they're so pleasurable to look at, you know, when you do the your videos in the sun, et cetera. And I'm like, yeah, but do you know what? I really don't need an extra app on my phone. I don't think it's good to 
make it so available all the time, everywhere, constantly. I think it doesn't devalue it, but it devalues the idea of appreciation, I think, when something is everywhere, you're like, oh, there it is again. So yeah, so I think it's a total balancing act with those with those apps. And I think COVID's kind of taught us that, you know, we don't want to be constantly on our screens more than we have to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was speaking to Georgie, who, I mean, is a friend of ours that we've both kind of grown up with as well. And she was, I guess, for people on the podcast that don't know her, Georgie is an illustrator. And the conversation we were having was around the change in the algorithm actually, yes, was resulting in maybe less traffic and kind of less visitors to her site and less likes, etc. But the engagement that she was getting from people that were finding her page were actually much better and the, the, the leads were much more qualified and were maybe the people that were most interested in the work she was producing because they'd either kind of had to hunt it out or forever, whatever reason the algorithm had decided, they seemed to be slightly better than maybe kind of a mass reach approach where not everyone that was getting served your content was particularly interested. Have you kind of found the same thing? Yeah, so I feel like the people who I've had engagement with have the, been the ones who I've like, you know, sometimes I post something and I get like 10 messages like, oh, can I have this? And then only like kind of one or two come through. Um, but it's quite funny, like how the engagement works, because I got a message from someone that used to go to uni with me at Chelsea. And they sent me a photo of my work on one of China's, you know, biggest like um, social media platform or something saying they love it, which which was really interesting because I would have never known that. And my engagement was a lot of, you know, people that were based out of Shanghai. Yeah, that's so strange because like you say, you would never have known that had your friend not pointed it out. And I think that certainly shows the power of someone kind of reposting your content to an audience that's really engaged and if they have an audience very similar to you you can build your following pretty quickly which I can imagine you know when you're trying to get your works out there like you are that's probably one of the key ways that you can do so but it definitely feels like people's relationship with social media has kind of maybe changed in the last year and some people have flocked to it as we've had you know nothing to do and we've been locked inside and some people have really chosen to maybe get off their screens and spend a little bit more time off social media because people have been less outside you know in the the entirety of like you know year and a half you know since covid's been about that people have been on their phones more that they've probably had to adapt the the app to take on more people or more viewings etc that there's a sense of filtration or not even censorship that has come with it that's negative and positive as you say sometimes some of the quality of engagement is higher quality but it's lower amounts so it's quite interesting as a sense of like maybe censorship that is both positive and negative yeah I think you've really hit the nail on the head there because there definitely seems to be a relationship with social media at the moment that is a tale of kind of two halves around you know people love it at some to some extent and kind of really go overboard and it can really help you you know, build your career and kind of get your voice out there and showcase your works. But also it has that kind of side of things that maybe isn't so great and people doesn't make people feel great sometimes. Or, you know, there's definitely a tale of two halves that I think people are maybe becoming to realise slightly more so. But I think something that would be really interesting to speak to you about or at least get your opinion on is 
as someone that has, as we've just discovered, you know, you're newly building your career in the art world, how have you found that? And kind of what are the main challenges been for you as an emerging artist based in London? I think sometimes with an emerging artist, I think there's the idea of not knowing where where to position yourself in a industry that is so vast, so especially in like, let's take London, so vast and concentrated. Like London is so concentrated in galleries, in in artists that, you know, there's so many of these open calls everywhere that I think a challenge for emerging artists, I mean, I am still an emerging artist, but we're talking like brand spanking at the start of the career. Um, the, I think the rejection is kind of hard, not knowing where you stand in terms of like, you've got your artwork, you believe in your artwork, but not going anywhere in terms of like people aren't grabbing on to it you know and I think it's also you know selling I think the idea of selling is something to really overcome because costs are higher you know and you don't want to rip off your clients and stuff like that because you you might not even have a client base yet so I think that's figuring it out and because of the cost you know you have another job I was lucky enough myself not to have that but I can you know a lot of my friends do and I think they find it hard to find time to make work and yeah I'd probably say another factor of you know finding it hard as an emerging artist is just kind of yeah where you stand the idea of money with it and finding your feet in in an industry that now is like your work is published anywhere all the time you have to also learn to say no, I think, to things because you might you might do too much and then your work's not you're rushing things that your work isn't the top quality that it should be. But yeah, I think I think London for an emerging artist is really, really difficult. You know, studios are really expensive. You know, you might not have the space, you know, photograph all the artwork. And I even like even though I did a master's, I don't think they teach you very well that you're gonna have to juggle a whole shitload of things in terms of you know <laughs> sorry for my language but like you're gonna you're gonna have to juggle finance marketing advertising and like relationship building you know all these things you're wearing so many different job hats um if you're self-employed and I think people don't quite appreciate that enough I think when they're buying um artwork is like you know everything with England and Brexit now as well like customs oh my god I've nearly ripped my hair out a few times with that um I think it's a it's the aspect of learning that to do a lot for you know one piece you're gonna have to juggle a lot you know that is something I can definitely relate to because even just setting up this podcast the amount of time that it takes to record you know edit kind of get the posts ready for social media and it does take a lot of time and I don't think people maybe realize how long it is going to take without you know actually sitting down and figuring these things out I kind of maybe naively thought that recording a podcast was going to be as simple as sitting down with you with a microphone recording it and putting on Spotify and it's definitely not that easy unfortunately especially you know with video content actually being a really good way to kind of get your voice heard I guess it's actually been quite important to have all the kind of peripheral promotional activities there as well I don't know whether you found the same thing with um, kind of promotion of your art on social media but it definitely feels like video has also got much more traction now yeah I mean what was quite interesting is that for my um, solo show that I did in Athens um, we did a little 
movie, you know, like eight minute movie that kind of dived into my day in the studio, me making the work. And loads of people found that really helpful to see in terms of like, oh my God, I just didn't know that's how you made it because you can describe it to someone, but you know, their sense of imagination, you don't know how broad it is or, you know, how well, how creative the person is themselves. So it's really good for people to be able to see sometimes like the work that goes in and I think as well what I've learned over the last year and you know my friends have told me this a lot my sister my family was like you need to know because you don't have you have your own hours you need to know when to take a break as well I think emerging artists they want to do so we want to like so well quickly that's like sometimes you, you you're gonna need a break because you're doing so many different things in one go that you know spreading yourself too thin the quality is going to of your art is going to go down if that happens yeah you've got to force yourself to take a break once in a while because you know I guess working for yourself you're the only person that can tell you that you need a break no one's going to be sat there going man on you need to stop kind of producing your art I, I think it's very different if you are an artist working for yourself rather than you know maybe where you've got kind of paid holiday that you have to take yeah and then you force yourself but then because you have all the apps and then you're constantly on call I say like you know when I'm replying to you know messages like dms and stuff like that and people's like oh can you get off your phone I was like I am actually working here there is no off time (laughs) yeah and I think something that was interesting when we were speaking kind of the other day was around actually people thinking that you know you have your own hours so you know you can come out for dinner or, or whatever because you're not going to be up at work the next day but actually it's not quite like that is it I think some people kind of see it more as, you know, oh, you've got your own hours, you know, you can sleep in, you can do all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but I'm like, I can't really rely on somebody else, you know, to to pick up the slack if I have a day off. But, you know, I'm saying all this stuff, but these are not bad problems to have, you know, like, it's great. Like, I'm very appreciative, like, how far I've come in a year, you know, year and a half. So they're not terrible problems to have. But you know, I think it's finding that balance that a lot of people have talked about before. Yeah, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. You've really got to make sure you're finding that balance between kind of work and looking after yourself, really. And I know, look, we're winding down for 2021. But me knowing you, you've probably got a lot planned for 2022. And I'd be really interested to find out a little bit more around kind of what's next for you and what we can expect. Could you tell us anything more around kind of what you've got planned? So um, interestingly enough, I've been working quite a bit with um, interior designers in terms of like, you know, with commissions. Um, So I I currently have works in uh, uh, Zero Italy with uh, Nero Design Gallery. So I've currently got a show on there. I have a show with Salon Design, which is a Boston-based interior design firm for New York uh, Design Week next year. I think I might have a start of a show maybe in Shanghai in March time, a show in Berlin in February time. So there's a few bits and bobs going on. I want to next year do a artist residency. I feel like it will be really beneficial for me in terms of experimenting because in my studio, I've you know, I'm catching up on work. I, I'm finding less time to really dedicate to pushing the practice forward experimenting which is where I'll you know try new materials and such I do want to start working maybe with resin and also I'm I'm literally going in two opposite directions with my ideas going with resin 
which is, you know, obviously a hard material. And then more like silk fabrics, uh, printing on fabrics themselves um, and introducing a little bit more of gestural painting within those fabrics next year. So I'm looking at the concepts of uh, language of drapery and the imagination of the folds and kind of representing these ideas in my, the movement of my hands or so like gestural marks that have been somewhat present already in my drawings, watercolor paintings that I've done that are basically designs for larger silicon sheets of multicolors. So I think I'm kind of going back to the basics again, but, you know, evolving it between painting and sculpture and producing, you know, something completely different. Yeah, I think I want to combine the aspects of a bit more painting, uh, printing on fabric, whether it's screen printing or digital. I think I'm interested in digital printing because photography has been, you know, an important aspect of my practice before. So I think there's some there's some big works that I want to do next year. There's some big projects that I want to do. And I'm not against, you know, designing a sort of fabric or something like that. I think that would be quite interesting to drape either on sculptures. So I make very, you know, fine art sculptures out of them, you know, on my totems, on my plinths, and then seeing it you know, as part of interior design, maybe in terms of, you know, it seeing in a different relationship to shapes, etc. So I think that would be quite interesting. Really cool. It sounds like you've got a lot planned for 2022. And I definitely can't wait to see how everything pans out for you. But look, Manon, I know you've got a super tight deadline to meet this evening for clients. So I will leave it here and all I can say is thank you so much for taking the time out to come on Temporary Admission today. I definitely encourage everyone to take a look at your Instagram page if they want to kind of see examples of your work or, you know, even if they want to maybe purchase their own, you can find it on Manon Stay Art Art. And again, thank you Manon for coming on. I'm sure we'll speak very soon. All right, James, see ya. Bye. Now that should just about conclude us for the latest episode of Temporary Admission and actually the last episode of 2021. So make sure to tune back in in January where we'll be speaking with someone pretty special. Until then, stay safe, enjoy Christmas and speak soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.